0: Welcome to Motorsport Coaching, the podcast for racers with racers. Miss Motivate can help get you to the next level. Every episode, she talks to the best racers of today and those that can get you there. She'll help you get better.
1: Racing new.
0: At fitness, nutrition, sports psychology, sponsorship, social media, public relations, and media training connect with Miss Motivate at motivatetraining.com.au that's M O T I V the number 8 training.com.au and now to help get you to the next level Miss Motivate herself Belinda Risley
2: Hello, crew, and welcome to episode 144 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. I am your host, Belinda Risley, and this week, I am joined by Nuru Singh, all the way from Canada. He's a creative consultant, helping motorsport better engage fans and to create memorable social media posts. Um, He's going to go through on how to do that in today's episode, some success stories he's had, um, what it means to be doing content for your fans and the type of posts that you should be posting this month over in our free motorsport coaching pod. Oh, in our free... motorsport sponsorship page Uh, we are looking at facebook and how you can engage more of your followers so if you're interested and you have not already please rest over and join our free motorsport sponsorship facebook group or also if you're needing instagram tips over at motivate underscore t on instagram i'm doing daily tips on how to improve your instagram and then coming up i'll be doing some free workshops around those actual two um, platforms and then later on we'll be having a LinkedIn specialist join us and next week we do have Ed come from the social sandwich to talk about the latest trends happening across all the platforms so I do hope you can join that for that free event. All right, well, let's get started. I think I'm very excited for today's show. I know I say that every week and I really should find a new word other than excited, but I do, I'm very passionate about bringing this podcast. It does take a lot of work with little reward, um, but I do hope you enjoy the episodes as much as I do delivering them, although they're not perfect or pristine, but I do hope the information presented does help you um, improve your motorsports performance. So if that's the case, if you don't mind, if you could please run over to the preferred platform that you're listening to this podcast today and write me a review that would be wonderful we can also go into the monthly draw to win one of our courses access to our toolkit uh, the choice is yours i've decided now so um that's write a review and um tell us either way even if you're not enjoying the show or um what you'd like to hear in the show it's like whether would you like some more driver profiles do you want some more high profile driver um interviews? Oh, would you like some more case studies? This shows for you guys. Um, let's get started. All right, crew. Cool. Welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, Nuru.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
2: I know. Uh, every episode I do say I'm very excited to have my guests, but I do love all of my guests. Yeah. Um, you are a very special guest, Nuru. Can you tell us what do you do with your motorsports?
1: Uh, so I the best way I can describe it is I'm a creative consultant that tends to watch a lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> And uh, it's mostly around racing and motorsports, obviously. Um, But I think the best way I can sort of describe my work is I help create work that's a lot more memorable rather than consumable, Um, specifically around fans, for fans. um, And really, I sort of try and look at fans as customers for businesses and for race teams so my ethos has sort of become yeah trying to make anything that's sort of memorable over consumable especially in this day and generation of you know scrolling tiktok or instagram so yeah that's kind of what uh, the best way i would describe what i do in my work yeah
2: that's very cool and how did you get to this point like what's a little bit of your background and why mm-hmm. motorsports
1: uh well because i was I actually grew up in bahrain so my dad took you know, I was, I spent my entire time there. Uh that's where I got introduced to racing. Um and then, you know, I think with most people, when you get introduced to racing, it's hard to take us away from it. Uh, so that that passion started to increase over time in the in the twenty six years that I've been I've been here. Uh and you know, I think So I think you the yourself,
2: wo- sorry. So you yourself is a, was a fan, first of all.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. i oh, yeah, never
2: raced or anything like that.
1: No, no, I don't think ever racing was ever in my sort of uh <laughs> thinking process to be honest. I, I don't know why, but it's just it just never occurred to me. Uh awesome. small go-karting here and there, but other than that, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe maybe down the road. Uh uh side note, I'm interested in motor GP and, and bike racing. So that's something I'm trying to get into a lot more yeah. myself. So that's a side note. But um, yeah. That's cool um but yeah to your to your to your other question uh how did i get involved with sort of my work i started as a photographer um and i would still consider myself a photographer to this to this day and age i feel like that's kind of at my core that's who i am but i still i've sort of transitioned into this role of understanding a more high level high level higher level of thinking on strategy and thinking about fans and how we engage fans more um over time so it's kind of transitioned through photography and marketing and and now to this but uh yeah
2: cool i love it yeah and um so you say you do the fan base um education and and you're watching like youtube what are you watching on youtube to try and um enhance i guess your skill set
1: yeah i say i watch a lot of youtube so it's um it's surprisingly actually not too much motorsport i mean i i I consume i consume motorsport content yes uh but it's become a bit more like work now uh where in terms of i analyze it a lot more rather rather than just Uh sitting down to enjoy it uh but i spend a lot of time you know listening to podcasts from from entrepreneurs uh, leaders uh there's a big youtube channel that i watch called big think which describes just people in general and -hmm. i think a lot of uh my work requires me to understand people uh in a much deeper way um and that kind of translates to fans as well like understanding fans in much more deeper deeper way and how humans just interact in general um so that's kind of what i consume on on a daily basis trying a lot of education stuff uh and then occasionally like more uh more stuff like the i'm sure some of your audience might know this, but the sidemen, uh, small, bigger YouTube channels, uh, that are just entertainment focused and just there for laughs and whatnot. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I consume. Yeah.
2: So, because we are focusing on social media, um, yep. why do you love like YouTube? Like, why is that your preferred platform?
1: Yeah. For I think, I think YouTube, uh, in itself stands out compared to Instagram or TikTok. Like I said, it's a lot more, uh, memorable over consumable, like my, like my ethos. Uh, And I think since the day I've started watching YouTube and since its birth, basically uh, there's videos that I've been able to go back and watch and and enjoy and still remember uh, because they were that, they were that memorable. Um, And it does at, at this point in time, it still requires a lot of your attention and focus. And there's a level of talent and skill that is required uh, to keep your attention to keep an audience's uh, attention over time, say over 10 minutes, uh, 15 minutes, or an hour. Um, and I just don't think that um, when you compare it to TikTok or Instagram, that skill has been developed for creators just yet. Um, I think creators on YouTube definitely have that that sort of um, skill in their, in their skill set of being able to keep their fans and keep their audience uh, focused over a long period of time.
2: Yeah, so like I'm established that I'm older, a lot older than you. And um I couldn't think of anything not so much worse. I mean, because I love podcasts, like my preferred P D platform is podcasting. So I assume if I probably went into YouTube a little bit more that I'd find those podcasters or just other PD um type platforms yeah. Yeah. that I'd actually embrace the information. Yeah. Um but I don't want to be sitting there like for an hour, do you mean? Like I like, I like putting it in my ears and being able to go for a walk to consume my information. So, I think it's just definitely like the learning tube and I, learning um, preference. I think I definitely would like YouTube shorts.
1: Mm-hmm. That'd
2: be more up my kind of alley. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's different the way we consume content. I, you know, mm-hmm. the, the way I describe it, obviously, is, is not, it's not, uh, for everyone, so it's it always depends on the on the type of person and the type of fan that's really consuming all this content, right? So right now, obviously, it's very short term focus, very short uh, short form, um, and a lot of creators are creating on short form. Uh, but personally, for me, I find a lot more depth and enjoyment out of watching something a, a bit more longer that I can keep my attention for for a bit longer, and I have to sit there and like really consume it and and learn about it. Um, otherwise, I can you know be an addict and just keep scrolling through my phone <laughs> top, and you'll be there for three hours so you know i, I think it's just it's just different I, I love listening to podcasts while i'm going on a walk um or you know just on a train or a journey whatever whatever it might be it's yeah that's that's another form as well that's been uh, becoming more and more popular over the last couple of years at least yeah
2: uh obviously we're connected through LinkedIn. Um mm-hmm. so you, and you do post, is it daily on LinkedIn? I do see most of your posts, but is it yeah, it, is that it, planned that way or is it, it, is, it more of the, your thought provoked um opinion pieces that you put up there?
1: Uh it is it is daily for the most part. Uh, there might be a couple of days on and off where I might not post depending on what what I'm doing, whether it's at a race or something. Uh But for the most part, yeah, it is by design for me to post every single day. Um, But it also depends on, um, I think we can have a conversation on this about the quality versus quantity. I've kind of gone back and forth sometimes on if I should post something. uh, And if it's not of high standard and high quality, then I don't feel the need to Uh, Mm -hmm. At least to, to, to my ability of how how great I can make a post, um, so yeah, that's that's by design. Uh, but I kind of go back and forth with it sometimes, whether I should <laughs> do more or less. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so is LinkedIn and YouTube your two preferred platforms? Uh,
1: LinkedIn, I think, is my preferred platform right now because of uh, it's just allowing me to get access to to new connections and new people um yeah. it was actually instagram before that was allowing me to connect with those individuals but i just didn't find a level of growth that i i'm i'm getting now on linkedin uh based on the way i write and the base and how how many people it's attracting i think it's becoming easier to attract on uh, attract clients on linkedin rather than instagram just because the demand's not um uh, There's not, it's not oversaturated just yet in the way Instagram has become. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, what do you define your actual title to be? If someone says, hey, what do you do? Uh, What do you actually say, say in a 30 second pitch or less? (laughs)
1: Um, I say, I I honestly say, I'm a creative consultant uh, in motorsports that helps create work that's memorable over consumable.
2: Great. And how do you go about that?
1: Um, So, I think uh, I, essentially look at certain projects that usually come my way. Uh, sometimes it's just a level of social media management. Um, other times it's actually looking at the overall strategy of the business and revamping the the content strategy there and re- redefining their goals. Um, and then other times it's uh, looking at how they engage with their fans and what systems are in place already and what systems can we change uh, to make sure the fans are heard.
2: And are you working with athletes as well as teams and clubs or what's your market?
1: Yeah. So i worked with athletes before racing drivers before um, it's sometimes with, with athletes, it's, it's, it's dependent uh, because they usually like to take control of their own social media. Oh uh,
2: really? Not over here. <laughs> <laughs> They're the, like we don't have time for that. We just want to go racing.
1: I mean that's that's a fair point but I th- I think also I I think athletes sometimes at least from the ones I worked with it's better to have they have ownership of their own platform because it yeah. comes off as like more authentic that way but that's uh right. Yeah, if we, I have been able to work with athletes where I've had to manage their socials, and that takes another level of skill because you have to understand how they would speak. Yeah. So you kind of have to just go understand who they are as a person, which requires many, many months. It's just, it's just not like get on social and, and, and talk to them. Um, but yeah, it's it's athletes. It's uh, I'm I'm trying to. Uh, go into the realm of teams. Uh, usually they have their own in-house teams, so it's a bit more yeah. difficult in terms of uh, how, how I work with them. Uh, but certain series and uh, small projects I'll, I'll, I'll work on, like a, on a five to six month basis, uh, if they want to implement a new system or a new strategy. So, yeah.
2: And what are some of the challenges you had to overcome or you um, constantly come up against, trying to promote a, an athlete or work with the athlete? Um, I mean... You just mentioned about not being able to, I guess, um, do the all of the content because mm-hmm. it needs to be in their language and so forth. But what are some of the other challenges, if any? There might not yeah. be
1: Yeah, um, I'll say more in terms of, I guess, the the role itself, um, and it kind of combines with with being with working with athletes at times, um, especially in motorsport. You feel like if you're not in an, if you're not at an event, uh, you can feel uh, a lack of. Um, some FOMO, uh, fear of missing. <laughs> it. Uh, and you feel very disconnected if you're not at the racetrack. And it feels like if you're not there, then you're kind of just separated away from the entire system. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's, those are a couple challenges, but then also just scheduling and keeping up with the racing at, at all, at all times. Um, you know, I did a post a couple days ago or today actually on how many races happened just last weekend from the 14th to the 16th. And I think the list was about 15 races and just maintaining that level of like upkeep with, yeah. with racing and seeing what's happening, seeing when people are, f- where people are finishing um, just keeping up with that. It takes, takes a lot of time and, and toll and it takes away a lot of uh, time from other things that you might want to do. Um, you know, we might, we might have this perception that we love motorsport, but we like to step back at times as well. So yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's like you are saying, it's on the weekend. And a lot of people do get into social media content creation and go, okay, thinking it's Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, but it's yeah. nothing like that. It's actually more, you know, Friday to Monday type work and, yeah, um, yeah content. Rate. And like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be at the track, but it does help to be there yeah. um, if, you know, if your role is to promote that actual athlete.
1: Yeah, it depends per, depends per role. This this social media is – it's. People say it's social media, and it just under and they just define it as one person. But really, social media is captures a lot of different different tasks and a lot lot of different duties um, that cannot be defined by just one person doing everything at once. Um, So I think that's also some like sometimes the misconception that uh, especially maybe in motorsports, where it it feels like people just don't understand the social media role, um, and they just put all the responsibilities and duties on on that one person and then then just expect them to do all of it so yeah
2: but do you want to break down some of those roles
1: (laughs) yeah of course
2: (laughs) so tell us uh i mean it's fantastic that you're a photographer so obviously you've got that skill set which is a massive bonus
1: yeah yeah i think i think um you, we probably see a lot of this more and more in F1. Um, I don't think it's still gotten to that stage yet, but we can sort of categorize it as a photographer, uh, videographer. Usually there's sometimes maybe two or three videographers and two or three photographers to capture the entire action. Um, then you have your copywriters that will come up with the captions and come up with actually thinking about how to captivate the audience the best way in, in written format. Um, um you could talk about digital strategy uh how that's being implemented uh scheduling scheduling the actual posts when they're actually being posted why is it why is it important to actually make these posts in the first place and is it actually impacting the fans in the first place um because if we go out and tell the photographers and videographers to go do this work but then it doesn't produce any results then why are we doing this all in the first place so um i think i think We don't have it just yet, but having a digital strategist and coming in to a team and helping them understand, like, why are we actually doing this? And why are we posting 10 times in one day when it's just kind of going into thin air? Um,
2: That's what I always tell the athletes. That's my number one thing. Before you choose any platform that you want to go on like know your why like know why you want to go onto that platform and know what type of content you want to post exactly so like we've just mentioned like youtube was saying more educational based and it's more long form we've got the tiktoks which you <laughs> want to do. Uh, we've got the linkedin more b2b yeah. you know so just about you know find the platform that resonates with you yeah. um, but know your why
1: exactly um, i think i think you, you you hit on a very good point there it's like we get too focused on trying to do too many things at once. So I think the best thing to do is always look at the one, one platform, what's your message and what's the one person you're trying to target. And then everything becomes a lot more simple to to tackle. Cause if, if you try and focus on too many different platforms at once, then you're just going to start getting messed up in the head and you're going to lose track of, of what you actually yes. want to do. Yeah.
2: And so, with your content creation, like you're saying, it's more fan based. Is it more fan based engagement, or are you looking for more building the brands? Like, I, I guess my teaching is more around building your brand and um, looking after your sponsors. Mm-hmm. But is yours predominantly more around about fan engagement? So, like, do you do more competitions and and that? Or talk me through?
1: Yeah. So, I when I say I think fan engagement, I think there might be a misunderstanding there in terms of I'm helping the brands and teams. uh get them closer to the fans and understand who they are, really. So it's less about doing competitions, more about like understanding their behaviors on and off track, uh, digitally and physically, and realize what they actually need out of out of the tracks out of people out of out of the brands itself and the teams. Um, You know, you'll see a lot of content being posted about the teams itself and the drivers. That's all fantastic. And it caters to the fans itself. But are we actually going and speaking to the fans itself and understanding what they actually need, um, and treat them in a way like a normal business would, like they are customers, and you know what what do the customers need right now and what what's the next product we need? Um, that's and I, think, and I think we tend to forget that at times in motorsport because we are so focused on just the racing itself and what's going on on track. So
2: I know, and I guess that's what I always like promote to the drivers is that you know, when they are going, Oh, what do I post like when I'm not racing? And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, you're kind of like living your fans dream. Yeah. So they want to know what happens behind the scenes. They do want to know what you eat for breakfast. They do actually want to know what do you do when you go to the gym? Yeah. Because that's what your fans want to know. What does it take to become a motorsport athlete?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, I think it's just so much more than just, uh, you know, even, even that is, is a great starting point as well Is like, are you actually speaking to them? And then from there, it's really digging into, I, this is why I love looking into like the psychology of, of people in general, and uh, which is why I do a lot of research on it is what's, what's the deepest desire that they have and try and try and unlock that in a way. I, I don't think we go a deep enough.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they want to be in that seat.
1: They want to be in that seat. They want to be driving in that seat. So it's like, it's like really trying to understand. Uh, and I don't think we go, we go deep enough. I think, because we're, one, it's just the nature of motorsport. We're doing 10, 15 races back to back. We're still
2: old school. we still an old school sport.
1: Yes, exactly.
2: It, like you said, we still don't have digital strategies. Whereas yeah. like, you know, basketball would, like most other sports do. And I think motorsport sport is still an old, old sport.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think I think I read a quote uh, maybe a couple of days ago of like, someone said that there was a quote that said, uh, there's only three sports. Racing mountaineering and, and one other one that I'm forgetting. Um, I'm really butchering this quote, this quote right now, but um, it mentioned that the only three sports are is one of them happens to be racing, and then the rest of them are games uh, now we can we can take that and dissect that in whatever way we can, but uh, <laughs> I think it might be a more controversial take, but uh, yeah, you know, I think in terms of the older sports, yes, it's racing is definitely like one of the oldest sports out there,
2: yeah yeah. I think you yeah, were still part behind. Yeah. So as far as yeah, fan engagement actually grows in social media, I like to follow a lot of like the basketball and the mm-hmm. NFL. I think American sports do fan engagement really well. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah.
1: I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. I was getting, that's the exact, you read my mind. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've been, I've been saying this from, from the past. I mean, it, it helps that I'm in, I'm in North America and, and Canada and I can sort of see firsthand really how well they do it. Um, lucky to have gone to some games and realized that the things they do just during the halftime shows or whatnot, uh, they do a much, much better job. Uh, and it comes from top down basically. And I think if it doesn't come from top down, then it's going to be very difficult to have a lot of different changes. Um, or it's going to be a tougher task at least. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, they recognize the importance of fans at the latest Australian Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. I read an article, um, might have came from agp itself or porsche maybe but that this year was the first time they didn't have the ladies day like luncheon on the thursday mm-hmm. because they were saying what well, the ladies didn't want that they actually wanted like a better experience they they just didn't want like corporate hospitality they didn't want to come and wine and dine. they actually mm-hmm. wanted to be more hands-on or have tours and and more involved and this is the first year they actually did it so wow. you know it's great to see organizations starting to look at like you said, their demographics um and asking their fans what do they want and seeing the change um and as we know, like drive to survive is just you know a skyrocketed f one yeah. um and so I think yeah, there's lots of opportunities for engagement to fans um now
1: yeah exactly I, and I, that's a great story, I didn't even know about that i'm i'm I might have to take a look to look at what what happened that's there because that's F1. very very i'm um, yeah very fascinated by that and, and you're mm-hmm. absolutely right, I think. Uh, you know, with all this influx of new fans that have come from Drive to Survive, it's kind of made it an impo- not impossible, but uh, quite a hands-on task to understand where who who all these new fans are. Um, and I think that's what f ones kind of dealing with right now is really trying to manage that task because I think it's very it's a lot it's a lot to deal with. I'm sure, um, but, and they have a well, huge demographic. Fun.
2: Yeah, well, it was quite interesting that a lot of motorsport athletes and families couldn't actually get tickets to go to the event yeah. Yeah. because all these new fans, like, have just, you know, as soon as they're released, like, they've purchased it. Whereas, like, for years, we've been so used to just being able to rock up on a Sunday and getting DA tickets if we're not racing and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, as soon as the tickets released now, they were sold and they have been for the last two years, mm-hmm. so, like, straight away. And I remember, like, I was at the, the race, like, at a karting event the week before and people were like, are you going, are you going? And I had more friends not go than actually do attend because, again, they couldn't get tickets because yeah. there's all these new fans that have gone out and bought it and it's the greatest thing since last year, which is fantastic. Um, we in Australia probably need to work at how we can replicate that and embrace those fans to, to stay. I think it's um there's a... Um, I don't know what the right word is, but articles going around or rumours going around that they're going to drop the supercars, which is our Australian top-tier motorsport category over here from the Formula One events um, because Formula One, now that they've got all these new finances, they can afford to bring over the F2s and F3s, Mm -hmm. um, whereas originally they needed the supercars to build to bring in the fans. Right. But now, like, they don't need it because they've got all these new fans they've kind of turned around and said, well, we want you, but if you're going to have you, you're going to be, like, on the inside paddock. Mm. And now supercars are going, no, we don't want that. Um, Whereas I think from a fan and from an Australian motorsport perspective, it's really important to showcase Australian motorsport on that international scale.
1: Yeah.
2: So it would be interesting if they don't run next year, the supercars, what the fan base would be, like, will a whole, you know, demographic drop out or... Will it just mean are more F one people? Um, I'd also like to see the data from the Grand Prix to the next Supercar round, and mm-hmm. do those fans from Formula One follow or embrace Supercars, Australian Motorsports, and then become a fan?
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's a very interesting topic to to huh. to go into. <laughs> um, no, it's it's I, I hadn't thought about it until 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 you mentioned it. I think it's if you know if. F one is only looking at business interests.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: then and they're not and they don't end up listening to the fans and they don't understand that the at least the Australian fans want the supercars, um, supercar racing there, uh, will they will they drop out next year? That's a very that's a very plausible um, sort of thing. Yeah,
2: but, the, but it'd be, be interesting in a whole and I'm sure someone's yeah. done a research, like we know that drive to obviously improved fan-based Formula ones but what has it done locally in mm-hmm. each of the areas for that the motorsport categories has right. like have we seen more people engage in karting have we seen more people like start karting or start that's racing yeah um, hopefully if not new maybe that's a new project for you
1: <laughs> this but- is you've given me a couple new posts and i think i need to give you some credit uh, okay, great. <laughs> for some of the posts there because this is uh something really interesting to dig into yeah
2: yeah, but it'd be fantastic if everyone could say, okay, well, you know, not only do we bring this much money to the economy of the area, but it also, in return of motorsports, it's done X, Y, Z. Yeah. What I'd like to know. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, is, this is some fascinating stuff that you'll probably end up seeing in the next couple of days. Um, with, you know, with credit of Belinda, yes. <laughs> Came right from you. Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's maroon. See, I don't have time to write on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it just comes that's, to me, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's right. I'll just repost post, as you can see. Um, yeah. So if someone's getting started out with social media, um, mm-hmm. again, we've identified, like, just find the platform that resonates with your why. Yeah. Um, have you got any tips or recommendations about getting started or tools or posting, um, things like that? or?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think... Um the right off the bat the one thing that we said was trying not to do too many things at 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 once uh, because we can get overwhelmed by it so looking at your one platform uh, your one message and your one customer and then trying to understand that holistically and figure out what you actually what those key points are and then and then Go from there uh, and then build, build off of that. So that, that would say I would say that's one sort of tip right off the bat because, yeah, we can get overwhelmed at times if we go on too many platforms and don't have our message clear. I would also say, I think, especially with social media, it's, it's a type of industry where you kind of have to always be curious and you have to let your interests and your curiosity take you where you, where you need to go. So I kind of put it in a weird sort of metaphor in terms of like, you can use the ingredients you have, um, in that sort of that make up your own sort of like toolbox in a way. Uh, and you can use that to make it, make your own meals in that way. So it's make, make things that are unique for yourself. Uh, because the way you, uh, work with social media and you, the way you work in this industry, it's, it's very unique and you can sort of make things for yourself. Um, uh, And that kind of ties in with being saying with staying curious. So you can you can have a level of like flexibility there. Um, This industry, at the end of the day, is is supposed to be a bit fun, a bit of fun, while having some business ROI. Um, And I think a couple other things would be just trying to find out how to solve people's problems. Honestly, you become invaluable to people once you start to figure out what their pain points are and what they what they really care for. And once you once you're able to solve them, you kind of you kind of become invaluable to people. And then lastly, I would probably say, uh, keep your health above everything else. Uh, as much as this industry is great, uh, it, you can, you can get sucked in very quickly, especially with social and not, th- there can be a lack of divide between when you work and when you don't work. Um, and it can kind of suck you in. So keeping your health above everything else is is going to keep you sharp in all other aspects of the area. Um, that's yeah, kind of for for starting out. I would say, with your with your second question on tools, really and resources, um, I think imp- it's very important to start learn start starting to learn how to write and copyright. Um, in this and in this entire industry, about ninety five percent of it is actually writing um, with visuals backed up, um, and. I'd say journal frequently uh, every single day, because I think with motorsports, you can get caught up with what's happening Uh, and you can, you can tend to forget uh, a lot of things that happened during the the season. And if you don't write it down, you're going to forget it all. And I think that was one mistake I made is not, not writing it down uh, and forgetting some key details here and there. Uh, So journal, journal frequently and, and figure out and learn what you did that day. And, you know,
2: yeah, I always advise um or coach the, the athletes to do a performance debrief as well. So yeah. we always do a debrief on the vehicle, but excuse me, it's important to do a debrief on their fit on their own performance, mm-hmm. whether it was great, bad, what could they approve, what learnings can they have? Um, but you know, do that after on the trap on the travel home, on your flight, on your car trip home. Um, yeah. to have that, that yeah. general thing. Um, I'm just going to go back. You're saying about knowing your customer, your client. I think Mm. over here possibly that the athletes are thinking more that their sponsors are their clients Mm. and that the fans would fall more under teams or, um, and again, it could just be like, the wording of it um but i think if people go about like we talk about getting fans engaged and for us would be like oh yeah we'll do some competitions and we'll do you know meet and greets and do some order signings that would be the content pillar of fan engagement mm-hmm. but more the posting is around sponsorship like not so much getting sponsorship but for those that have products or services trying to promote them mm-hmm and promote where, where they're racing. And I, but I think more of that fan engagement may come from that. They may think it comes more from the categories or, you know, the events holder.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's um, I think the best way to describe that sort of relationship, because I think it's all intertwined, like the driver sponsors and the fans itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the drivers, the drivers need money. They need, they need that sponsorship money. Uh, but I think sponsors are also attracted to the fans and the viewers that the driver's getting. So it, right. they all sort of like work all, all together cohesively. Um, and I think if you remove one part of it, it becomes very difficult to, pr- to, to proceed forward. Um, so they all kind of need each other in a, in a, in a way. Um, That's
2: definitely-
1: yeah. And I think if, if you're able to sort of get to a point where yes, you have a lot of engaged fans and, a very loyal fan base then the sponsors will come rolling in but then you have to sort of look at like how are the sponsors best fitting your um your personality and the way that the way you work um, right. and is there a good partnership there and then looking at how the sponsors can get the best roi towards your own fans and i think if a driver knows their fans the best in the best way possible and understands their behaviors and what products they actually need uh, then it becomes a lot more easier for them to to look at the exact sponsors that they need and go from there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's what I say. Know your insights. Yeah. Um, And like the insights is one thing. So it's quite just demographic based, but also now work out the psychographics of those fans as well. Yeah. And so that's why I'm working with the clients when we're now doing sponsorship proposal or expressing interest and stuff like that. We're actually doing the personas of our fans.
1: Mm. Yes.
2: Yeah. saying based on our social media our persona is Kevin, he's twelve, you know, yeah. he's twelve, he's an active carter, he currently races, he lives in regional blah blah blah. You know, he's got a sister, a mum and dad, and yeah. we're actually putting that marketing description um, you know, in our initial discussions with sponsors.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that's a that's a great uh, great spot as well to un- fully understand. And I think we could go even deeper from there is like understanding their behaviors like you know they like to ski during the winter time. Yeah. They buy they buy these ski um, yeah. rental equipment. Uh, you know they're going to food at this local spot. They they love you know this exact spot, uh, and really understanding their behaviors in in that sort of context as well. Because uh, at that at a at a certain point, then you start they start to feel like you can read their minds. Yeah. Uh, that's and right. you you can anticipate their needs ahead of time, uh, which makes them seem hurt. And listen to and that's the best thing that someone can can appreciate is when they're fully listened to and heard
2: well Nuru, i've loved listening to you today it's been fantastic <laughs> thank you for sharing your wonderful wisdom is there anything else you want to wrap up or mention today
1: uh yeah i mean you can you can catch all my stuff on on linkedin i, I basically post on there every single day uh frequently uh i'm speaking about fan engagement and and how best drivers or teams or, drive or series can connect with sponsors and fans um, and then you can reach me out reach reach out to me from there or you can see my instagram uh newer singer and i'm hoping to attend a couple of races or more than a couple of races this year and working on some client projects that i can't speak of at the moment but um yeah all will be revealed soon in the next couple months so yeah
2: very exciting well of course all of those links to nuru's um, details will be in today's show notes thank you again it's been so much fun
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Get
0: ready for the race. Do you feel one step closer to being the next superstar behind the wheel? MotivateTraining.com.au for more. M-O-T-I-V, the number eight, Training.com.au. The Green Flag. Every episode gets you one step closer to the checkered flag. The Motorsport Coaching Podcast, getting you to the checkered flag faster.